When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Pro Football Network's premier fantasy football podcast. I'm your host, BJ Rudell. With me, as always, is PFN fantasy analyst Jason Katz. They're known as Katz. It is Wednesday, April 13th, and uh, we're going to spend a few minutes today talking about the Raiders in light of the fact that Derek Carr is just signed to a three-year, $121.5 million extension by your very own Las Vegas Raiders. And that has obviously major, major impact on uh, the 2023 offseason. I know uh, the commanders and other teams were very interested in maybe trying to get Carr now that he is locked up. Um, that is one more decent quarterback who will not be going anywhere in the short term. Uh, the question is, is Carr decent or is he going to be great now that Devontae Adams is back in town, back in town, meaning back playing with his college friend, Derek Carr. Uh, another question is, uh, and we won't get into it uh, uh, much, but it's worth pointing out, Derek Carr is now one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the game, uh, fifth highest, uh, according to uh, what I've seen. And so there are very high expectations going into this year in what must be the most difficult division offensively uh, in the NFL, and quite possibly top to bottom, the best collection of offensive talent in any division in NFL history. So I'm throwing it to you, Katz, to start with. Derek Carr, what kind of impact do you think he's going to have in the fantasy world in 2022? Is he a guy that you can trust as a QB1, or is it something else? The addition of Devontae Adams obviously benefits Derek Carr and this entire offense as a whole. He hasn't really had that elite talent at any point in his career. Could he experience a breakout this year at age 31? Uh, possible. 31 is not old for a quarterback. He can certainly have a career year, but that's what it would take for him to be a QB1. At this point in his career, his best fantasy a year uh, in the 2015-2016 range, he averaged 17.8 fantasy points per game in 2015, 17.6 in 2016. He actually also averaged 17.6 in 2020. Um, interesting aside, the 17.6 he averaged in 2020 netted him a low QB2 finish, whereas the 17.6 in 2016 netted him a high QB2 finish, which kind of speaks to how the quarterback position has been changing over the last decade or so with more and more quarterbacks pushing that 20 fantasy points per game threshold. Carr is going to need to find a way to get there if he wants to be a QB1. And I, I'm not sure if that's going to be possible even with Devontae Adams. So I'm looking at Carr as more of what he's been. He's going to be a, a streamer-type quarterback. He'll probably get drafted, get dropped along the way, picked up in a good matchup. Maybe you hold on to him for a couple of weeks when you need a quarterback. But I don't think he'll be someone that you're confidently sending out there every week with the expectation of getting a high-end performance. Yeah, I think the uh, I largely agree with you. I think the the best bet for him is that in interdivisional games, 
if you're looking at games that are, you know, combined scores of 60 plus points against the Chiefs, Chargers, uh, and Broncos, uh, then I could see a situation where cars just forced to throw a lot. Um, uh, and maybe in those games, uh, you get you get lucky and you get a top five performance. But overall, uh, I agree with you. I think that, you know, the the gain of Devontae Adams, and we'll talk about Adams shortly, uh, is significant. And of course, having Darren Waller back uh, and healthy, presumably, will be significant. Uh, but we're still talking about uh, a guy competing against uh, uh, eight to 10 quarterbacks who are established QB1s, pretty much. And Derek Carr has to find a way to play his best football now that he has his best weapons with him. And it's hard to imagine him suddenly getting into that 21, 22 point per game plateau. Um, this is this is not a guy who runs the ball very much. Um, I think he's averaged about 70, 80 yards a game, um, uh, 70, 80 yards a, a season during his career. So this is all going to have to come through uh, largely passing touchdowns. And the question is going to be near the goal line. Are we going to see a lot of Josh Jacobs? Um, are they going to try to uh, essentially uh, is, is are, are the limitations of Carr because he's not an elite quarterback going to keep this team from trying to use him too much in the red zone? I don't have an answer for that, but I think if Carr is getting 28 to 32 touchdowns, that's obviously a lot different than 38 to 40 touchdowns and 28 to 30 versus 38 to 40 is the difference probably for someone like him of being a QB one and a QB two. Um, and so you really have to hope that he's throwing two and a half touchdowns and passes a game. Um, and, and I'd put the under on that right now. So I, I tend to say, you know, outside the top 10, probably outside the top 12 is where I would have him. Um, what about Devonte Adams cats? What's, uh, uh, how bullish are you about Adams? Uh, uh, whether as a WR one overall, uh, you know, in terms of in that top 12 or is, are we seeing a regression here? I don't know how anyone can rank him as a top two wide receiver this year. Not even because of him, just because I think that's locked in with Cooper Cup and Justin Jefferson uh, and probably put Jamar Chase at three. Uh, it's still very early in the process, so I don't want to uh, speak for what, what I may think later on in the summer. But yeah, Adams has been a top eight receiver. He's been a wide receiver one every year since 2016. And over the past four years, he's really been incredible. Uh, last season, 21.5 points per game. The year before, 25.6. He was the overall wide receiver one. Um, 17.6 the year before that. And then 2018, again, the overall wide receiver one. This is one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. And he's con he's going to continue to be one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, even without Aaron Rodgers. With that being said, not having Aaron Rodgers, it matters. And Devontae Adams got... I'm not going to say a large portion of his points, but he was able to bolster his floor with certain things that he and Rodgers had that he's just not going to have with Derek Carr. I know they played together at Fresno State, but we're talking that was a decade ago. I mean, he's been playing with Rodgers for his entire career. Those plays where Rodgers hits him on the back shoulder, where Rodgers sees the cornerback playing back and just checks into a quick hitter to Devontae to get five yards, that's 1.5 points in PPR leagues. And you get one or two of those a game which he typically would, that's a, that's a big boost to his overall fantasy value. Will he have that with Carr? Probably not. And there's also much more target competition in Las Vegas. Not that Devontae Adams isn't the alpha wherever he goes, but it's different when your wide receiver two and three is Alan Lazard and the ghost of Randall Cobb as opposed to, or, or Marcus Valisantin, 
as opposed to in Vegas, where he's got Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro. Uh, these are these are far better pass catchers, significantly better than anything behind Devontae Adams in Green Bay. So I still I still will have Devontae Adams as a wide receiver one, but he may be a little lower than uh, than I was expecting to to rank him when I thought he was going to stay in Green Bay. I might have him around 12 to 14 in terms of receivers. I'm pretty concerned. Uh, I look at his, you, you brought it up, his target share. <clears throat> we also have to talk about his touchdowns. I mean, he is um, uh, a well above average in touchdowns per season. And, and at least when you say per game, um, you know, he's had, uh, it's, it's 69 touchdowns in his last roughly 87, 86 games, uh, starts. And that's a, a really, that's an incredible clip. Um, you know, he has 29 touchdowns in his last two seasons across 30 games. The mystique of Devontae Adams is in part the fact that just like DeAndre Hopkins, when he played with Deshaun Watson in Houston, was, was the target guy. He was the guy getting, uh, you know, almost every big play out of that offense. He was the go-to. And with the Raiders, he's going to be one of four go-tos, realistically one of three. Uh, Josh Jacobs obviously uh, uh, cannot be underestimated in what should be an improved offense. But Darren Waller, a healthy Darren Waller, and Hunter Renfro are, are very, very capable receivers, and that's putting it mildly. And like you're saying, um, like you're saying the ghost of Randall Cobb, I mean, there's, what is it, 2016 Randall Cobb that everyone still looks back on and says, remember when Randall Cobb did that? You know, that... Devonte Adams really hasn't had the kind of competition that most number one receivers have on most teams across several years. He's been the unquestioned number one. And now he's getting into a situation where Derek Carr, although there are certain metrics that show Derek Carr has good accuracy in terms of his, I, I saw something that said in 2019, he was number two in the league in terms of on target throws, which to Derek Carr's credit, that's fantastic. I don't know how many of those passes were short passes. So you know, Drew Brees was number one that year. And that says, you know, we, we know the story of Drew Brees at the end of his career, a lot of short passes, Michael Thomas eating up yards and catches. Of course, you're going to have a better on target accuracy than if you're going deep. But I'm very concerned about Devontae Adams maintaining that 150 target, 170 target. I mean, if you look at his per game, he's averaging about uh, 10 to 11 targets a game over his past four seasons. 10 to 11 targets, which if it's not the, the highest, it's one of the highest. And now the question is, if he goes down to 9 to 10, which is still pretty bullish, but if he goes down to 9 to 10, that's a 10% roughly knock off of your targets, which is going to be yeah, roughly 10% knock off of your receptions. He's not going to be getting a, a touchdown a game in all likelihood in this offense. So you're looking at a guy who across the board, if we could count on him getting 300 fantasy points for Green Bay, I think 240 some odd fantasy points is a, is a pretty good uh, estimate. Also, you've got a guy, one more thing about Devonta Adams, he's turning 30. Um, and that might not seem like a big deal, uh, but I've been doing some research uh, over the past couple of weeks on age impact uh, of uh, on players of all positions. Um, and I was struck cats by how few NFL players are still making waves after 32 years old. I kept having it in my head like, oh yeah, there's still a bunch of guys out there over 32 who are getting it done. There's not a lot. And so Devontae Adams, you know, he's turning 30 later this year. 
he's getting to that point. We've talked about it. You know, when is middle age for a receiver? There's a few of these guys who fit that bill. And Devontae Adams, we have to wonder, is the best season that we're going to ever see out of him again last season? Essentially, have we seen the best of Devontae Adams? And I really believe, based on age, based on shift in team and, and shift in, in his role, as no longer the unquestioned alpha, but just the alpha, I think he's going to fall back into the 12 to 14 range as, as my range. Um what do you think about uh, Hunter Renfro, his teammate? Uh, is he uh, uh, on the streaming, you know, weekly streamer for you, or is it a wait and see because uh, uh, what he did last year could have been construed as a fluke with everyone hurt or out of football who needed to be on that team? In his first two seasons, Hunter Renfro had a 17.6% target share and then a 15.2% target share. In 2021, that shot up to almost 22%. Was that the plan? No. I, I think we can all agree that it was never the intent of the Raiders to feed Hunter Renfro this high of a target share. Now, his 22% target share only resulted in about 128 targets. Now, that's significant, yes. But if that drops down to even you know, 20 19%, and we have to expect it to drop with the addition of Devontae Adams, we're looking at somebody that's only going to have maybe 110 to 120 targets as his ceiling. And Renfro, for as good of a year as he had, and it was excellent. He averaged 15.4 fantasy points per game. He's a mid-wide receiver, too. If, if that volume drops a bit, we're looking at possibly a low-wide receiver three. And it's really impossible to not project a significant dip in volume with the addition of Devontae Adams. I know we talked about this on a previous podcast, uh, where I considered Hunter Renfro one of the biggest losers of the free agency trade period because of the arrival of Adams. And I really think that if if Adams uh, if Adams and Darren Waller are both healthy this season, then Renfro is going to be definitively third in this passing game. And we're also going to see those designed like zig routes and, and underneath things and, and everything that was specifically designed for Renfro last season that's, that's going to go to Devontae Adams because Devontae Adams can do everything Renfro does and more. He's basically, he's a complete receiver. There's nothing Devontae Adams can't do. And these Renfro was the primary read on, on uh, a handful of plays, more than that even, uh, each game. And that's going to drop with Adams in town. Uh, so I'm very concerned about Renfro. I view him more as a low wide receiver three at best, and he's not necessarily someone I'm targeting but it remains to be seen how far his ADP will fall once we get into uh, the hard draft season. Yeah, I'm thinking around 33 to 36 is probably where he's going to be to start the season, right about where you said low-end uh, WR3. I think there, there's a lot of concern about what he can do. And uh, if we look at last season, um, uh, you know, he was a consistent asset throughout the season. And when Henry Ruggs' tragedy happened, um, he stepped up. And then when Darren Waller went down uh, uh, right after uh, week 12, he was out from weeks 13 to 17. Week 13, um, Renfro had the most targets he'd had all season and the most receptions. And then in week 14, had even more targets and more receptions and more yards than that. And he finished with five touchdowns in his last five games. Um, and, and so we saw a guy who got to another level. Renfro was a solid streamer last year until the Ruggs tragedy, and then especially when Waller went down. And then it was the Renfro show. 
And so people have to look at Renfro's value, not based on the full season, but they have to look at it based on roughly the first seven to eight weeks. That's basically what you can expect from Renfro in a more crowded receiving core. And that's going to be, you know, roughly seven to 12 points um, where seven is more common than 12. He's probably going to be a little more TD dependent than people want to see. I mean, if you're, if, if maybe that's not fair to say seven more common than 12, but the point is that if you're expecting consistent double digit fantasy points from Renfro, then you're expecting essentially, you know, uh, you know, five receptions, 50 yards uh, every time. I don't know that he's going to do that in this offense. He could be the fourth offensive option realistically if Waller is back to his old self. And then if you're the fourth option in an offense, I don't care how good the offense is, there's going to be weeks where you're just not part of the offense. Um, and we've seen that even in some of the best offenses in the league. So the the challenge for Renfro right now is there's going to be bright spots for him. There's certainly going to be games where he gets, you know, eight catches for 80 yards and a touchdown and we'll celebrate those as fantasy managers, but there's going to be those weeks more often than not that he is the third or fourth highest scoring fantasy asset on that team. And the question is going to become uh, how, how early do you, do you go for someone like that? And the answer is probably going to be seventh, eighth, ninth round at the earliest um, rather than fourth, you know, fifth, sixth round, uh, which is where some people might be thinking, oh, look what he did last year, a thousand yards, nine touchdowns. You know, I, I want him as my number two receiver. Well, he's probably not going to play like a number two receiver as long as Devontae Adams is in prime form. Um, throwing it to you, Cats, with Waller. Um, uh, how much of, of, of the mystique of Waller has faded in your mind? Is he still you know, let's say a top three fantasy tight end, or are you going into the season with eyes wide open about uh, his potential limitations? No, I'm out on Waller. I really, really regret targeting him aggressively last season in that two, three turn area. I was super high on him. And the reality is I fell into a trap and I apologize. It never should have happened. At the end of the 2020 season, he had that scorching finish weeks 11 through 17. Here were some of his finishes. Uh, 21.8, 45, 14.5, 30, 16.2, 26.7. The reality is Darren Waller was this incredible, incredible elite player for seven weeks. And other than that, he's just he's just a regular old tight end one. And that's that's the, that's the reality of it. He ended up averaging 12.1 fantasy points per game last season. That would have been about the uh, tight end six. He, he played 11 games. Uh, so he, he missed, he missed uh, five games of fantasy season. And he was just an average tight end. Was he better than most? Yeah, of course he was. But if I'm drafting a tight end early, he needs to be a difference maker. And the reality is Darren Wall has been a difference maker for six weeks of his career. I understand that 30 years old isn't old for a tight end, but now he's not the guy anymore. He is not the clear-cut best pass catcher on the Raiders. That's Devontae Adams. Um, could this open things up for Waller? Sure. But volume is king in fantasy football, and he's going to get less of it now. So for me, I, I'll... I need to see where he's being drafted, but based on where I think he's going to go, I am out on Darren Waller. Wow. Now I was not expecting that entirely. Um, I will say in fairness to uh, uh, Waller fans, uh, 2019 was a pretty good season uh, uh, by all accounts. Um, and the big question then is going to be how much of that is due to his targets. Um, and of course you mentioned the final seven weeks of 2020 kind of reminded me a little of, I think it was Tyler Higby a few years ago, 
uh, just went off in the final weeks. And uh, was it Higby? And then everyone's, you know, overdrafted in the next season because they remember what he did at the, at the stretch, at the, at the you know, uh, home stretch of the season, but not what he did across the whole season. They're expecting him to pick up where he left off. And that's not usually how teams operate unless, you know, you're talking about um, a, a pre-prime, uh, you know, franchise caliber player who's just hitting his stride. Um but, uh, you know, we, we know that tight ends age differently than receivers. There's a lot, a lot of great tight ends in their early to mid-30s um, who are TE1s. Some are even at the top of their game, as we've seen with Travis Kelsey um, uh, and even Gronk, you know, when healthy uh, last year was terrific. Um, the question with Waller is going to be, you look again at his target share. We go back to that. He was averaging about nine targets a game. Uh, in his last two seasons. Uh, and that's, uh, you know, where are all these targets going to come from? If, if Devontae Adams is getting 10 and, you know, 10 or let's say he gets 11 and Waller gets nine and Renfro gets eight, um, you know, that's, that's already most of the throws that we would expect Derek Carr to make. And of course there's going to be other guys involved. So we have to expect a regression from Waller. We also have to look at what he did in 2020 uh, layering onto Katz's point the nine touchdowns really differentiated him. I think people fell in love heading into 2021 with his overall stats, even though his receptions and yardage didn't change that much from 2019. It was the touchdowns that were the big differentiator. And as we know, touchdowns are not a, a reliable predictor of future performance. And so, you know, he goes from three touchdowns and 16 starts in 2019 to nine touchdowns in 2020 and then down to two and 11 games in 2021. And now he has to worry about, uh, you know, an ascending Renfro, uh, so to speak, because Renfro was not heavily involved in 2020 uh, and the arrival of Devonte Adams. And you're looking at a guy now who might not be a top three red zone option um, more often than not. So the, the touchdowns might be harder to come by, and that's really what you need out of an elite tight end. You can't just rely on the on the uh, receptions and yards. If that were the case, um, then he would have been an elite uh, fantasy tight end in 2019. He was not. Um, he was great, uh, but those touchdowns make all the difference. And so uh, it, that's going to be a big question for me. If his targets, assuming his targets go down, that means his receptions probably go down, means his yards go down. And it means his touchdowns stay in that, you know, maybe topping out at five to six, unless somehow he's the beneficiary where, you know, at the expense of everybody else. That's hard to predict at this point. Um, but I would put Darren Waller as probably top eight to 10 right now, um, where I'm very interested in him, uh, but I'm not falling in love with him as a fantasy asset. Um, uh, finally, Katz, Josh Jacobs. Uh, we got to mention Jacobs. You know, he's a fascinating fantasy uh, uh, player, someone who people who uh, uh, have been quote unquote burned by Josh Jacobs don't like him, even though he keeps producing at a pretty decent clip season after season. Um, but I think it's it's kind of like Clyde Edwards Hilaire, but but uh, he's a better version of Clyde Edwards Hilaire where people had these lofty expectations and he doesn't meet the lofty expectations. So then people sour on him, but you take a step back and see this is a guy who continues to produce. So the question is the arrival of Devontae Adams, Derek Carr's re-signing, this offense is clicking. How bullish are you about Josh Jacobs? Could he reach that next level 
Um, or is he going to be stymied yet again and not that that top eight running back that people want to see? I've never been a big fan of Josh Jacobs. To me, he's just a typical replacement level talent. He's he's fine. That's what he is. If you give him volume, then you'll get numbers. He's not going to do anything better than your average running back, but he won't be worse. You're never going to lose a game because of Josh Jacobs. And uh, the interesting part is that's kind of how he is in fantasy as well. Three NFL seasons, he has been remarkably consistent in terms of overall fantasy points per game. 14.7 as a rookie, 15.4 as a sophomore, and then last season, 15.1. He has finished in that running back 12 to 15 range all three seasons in points per game. That's just the type of player that he is. And it's even more interesting when you look at his game log, because in 2021, he was just a a model of consistency. He will never win you a matchup. He was a difference maker in your matchup last year, maybe once when he finished as the RB4 in week 13. Uh, and then again, I guess technically week 18, we get the Chargers, although no one's playing fantasy that week, he was the RB5. Every other week, he was mostly in that uh, high RB2-ish range. This is a, a player who scored double-digit fantasy points in all but one week last season. At the same time, he hit 20 fantasy points just twice, which is a stark difference from 2020. In 2020, Jacobs had, uh, I think, three or four just explosion weeks. He had 35.9 fantasy points in week one, 29.6 in week 10. Uh, also, I missed uh, 22.5 in week five. And then he had several weeks where he failed to reach double digits or just barely got there. He was completely volatile. And it's interesting that he ended up in the same spot for the, for the season, despite two very, very different paths to get there. Uh, now with the addition of Devontae Adams, that overall helps the offense. It certainly should improve Josh Jacobs' ability to or, or chances of scoring touchdowns. And touchdowns are great to help us score more fantasy points. Uh, but Jacobs has his uh, rushing has dipped in each of his three years. He averaged 88.5 rushing yards per game as a rookie, 71 uh, his second season, and 58.1 last season. Um, his his uh, target share has gone up. Last season, he had uh, last season he had a. I'm looking for it now. Sorry, he had a 12.4 percent target share, which was easily the highest of his yeah. career, and that yeah. was up from 9.8 percent in his second season, and 7.1 percent in his rookie season. Uh, so we'd love to see that. Uh, but my assessment of Jacobs is he will be what he's been. He's fine, and if you want fine, then that's fine. But for me, I want more of a ceiling. I want guys that can have spike weeks and win me my matchups, and I don't know if that's what Jacobs is going to be. Yeah, I I am just perpetually fascinated by Jacobs, and uh, I like your analysis of him, Katz. Uh, one of the stats, one of those interesting stats that jumps out at me, um, you're not going to see that stat throughout out because it's pretty uh, a deep dive. But in his first two seasons, Josh Jacobs had 19 touchdowns. And each of those touchdowns, um, after this, after the touchdown, the Raiders were either leading or tied. Uh, they were leading uh, 17 of those times. They were tied two of those times. But last season, uh, when he scored uh, nine times, um, the Raiders were trailing still in four of those games after he scored. Um, or or in, in three, excuse me, in three of those games and tied in one of them. Why does that matter? It matters because... The way he was getting used last season was as more of a complete back. Um, he wasn't just a two-down grinder. He was actually being used in the passing game, as, as you alluded to, Katz, 
um, you know, career high receptions. And frankly, if you're getting 50 plus receptions, you know, you're on the RB1 radar no matter what. If you're if you're a starting running back, then it comes down to touchdowns and efficiency. Can he up his four yards a carry? Um, and some of that may have to do with the offensive line and what adjustments the Raiders might make in the offseason. Some of it has to do with how effective the passing game is in keeping uh, the defense a little more honest. Make it, you know, I, I got to tell you, if 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 Hunter Renfro and Zay Jones and Foster Moreau are the primary targets, I can see defenses stack the boxes much more than if you're talking about Renfro, Devontae Adams, and, and Darren Waller. So I'm going to give Jacobs the benefit of the doubt here and say this is a guy who was finally used as a complete back last year. The fantasy numbers didn't show him as an, you know, a better asset than usual most weeks. But if you consider that, that six of his nine touchdowns came from the two-yard line or closer, and if you consider that this Raiders offense should be higher powered this year than it has been in years past. And if you consider how frequently Jacobs was leaned on while the game, while the team was trailing, I see a guy who is almost game proof in a high, in a higher powered offense, which gives me a lot of confidence that I can draft Jacobs comfortably ahead of where he finished last year. And I'd put him as a top seven to nine running back right now in fantasy Based and, and, and I'm still going to wait and see what the offensive line looks like. I want to see improvements in, on the line coming out of the draft. But if, if, you know, if everything holds, right now I like him as a top 79, and I like him as a pleasant surprise, 12 to 13 touchdown, you know, 14 to 1,500 total yard, complete back running back. I'll give you the last word, Cats. I think we've covered it all. Um, right now, our opinions differ a little bit on Jacobs, but uh, I'm certainly open to being more bullish on him. I'll probably have him ranked more as uh, a mid to high RB2. I do like volume, uh, but I'd like to see more efficiency. And yeah, yeah the Raiders should be a very interesting team. Uh, last season, they had four players in the top 100 in fantasy scoring. I think that that number should stay the same this year. Maybe it can get to five if we're counting Derek Carr. And uh, hopefully Devontae Adams can improve this offense and we can get uh, some nice fantasy value from the Raiders. And we might see five guys in the top 50 uh, this this year, you know, realistically, or, or six if you count. Um, I've got my math. Yeah, five if you count Carr. You know, this is, th- these are, this is a, a pretty good collection of guys. It, it, so much of the, of the uh, question mark is going to be Renfro. Is he going to be kind of an afterthought? Um, and of course, you've mentioned Waller, but but there's a lot of excitement, obviously, with these guys. And we wanted to try to talk with these about these guys today because there's a lot of interest right now. And in how good could Derek Carr be? Um, uh, is Renfro the real deal or is he going to fade back? Um, and we love talking about this stuff. Uh, there's obviously no way to know for sure how these guys are going to go. But we've tried to present you today uh, uh, with a little bit of intel on on the likely ranges of these players. And we encourage you not to get caught up in the hype, um, you know, and instead focus on uh, the big picture. And the big picture often comes down to um, the the micro level uh, examination of these players. The big picture is not just look at their stats and then project it on the next year. The big picture is often look at some of the micro stuff and then take a step back and say, how much, how likely are these micro uh, elements going to shift 
and will they shift positively or negatively? Um, and we've tried to do that today. We appreciate you being with us. Uh, again, on behalf of uh, Jason Katz, better known as Katz, I'm BJ Riddell, Pro Football Network. Find us at profootballnetwork.com. We'll look forward to seeing you tomorrow.